London couldn't operate without the business strengths in Yorkshire and elsewhere. This is Future Cities, the series that brings together some of the people exploring and shaping what our cities could be like in the future. I'm Professor Alison Littlejohn, Director of the UCL Knowledge Lab at the UCL Institute of Education. And in this first six-part series, we talk about London. In episode five, we're looking at the knowledge, skills and jobs of a future London. Now, I'm very pleased to say to delve into this topic with me is Lalaj Clay, Director of Education and Talent at London and Partners. Hello. And Diana Beach, who's CEO of London Hire. Hello. Hello, and welcome to this UCL podcast. Lalaj, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and say something about the magic of London? Yes, of course, Alison. I'm Lala Clay, and I'm Director of Education and Talent at London and & Partners and we're the Mayor of London's Business and uh, Destination Agency. So it's our, it's our job, it's our pleasure, it's our privilege to talk about London all the time. And um, if you talk to the, the management consultants of this world, they'll tell you that there are, there are five things that make a city successful, certainly in business terms, and those are capital, talent, regulatory excellence, government support and demographic diversity. And, you know, I think any one of us could look around London and see how well we're doing on all of those, you know, capital with the city of London being the centre of, of fintech and all, all things financial with the amazing talent we have here with our universities and our further education colleges and our schools. Regulatory excellence, I think, goes without saying we're the centre of, of much of the world's um, legal excellence. And we have government support, of course we do. And demographic diversity, you can sit on the tube or sit on a park bench and just watch this amazing diversity of London go past. So if you look at the practical things, we're doing great. But there's also just something a bit magical about London, I think. There's something about the way all those practical practical things come together in a kind of alchemy with things like culture, with the amazing art, the dance, the theatre, the music that are in London, with our green spaces. Around 35% of London is, is green space and we're the world's first um, park city because of that. Um, and the connectivity, you know, we're midway between the US and um, the Far East. Um, we've got amazing air connections. We've got amazing rail connections. It just means that Londoners are continually sparking off each other and the other great things in the environment. And it just gives London that sort of that magic. We talk about creative energy all the time. And I think that's exactly what's happening with this, um, people brushing past each other and sparking something magical here. So it's, it's one of the things that I think makes London an amazingly exciting place to spend time. And Diana, you know something about the wealth of education opportunities that are available to Londoners across the city. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Alison. So just to recap, I'm uh, Diana Beach and I'm the Chief Executive of London Hire. And for those who don't know, we're the representative body for over 40 universities and higher education colleges across London. And I think that gives you a little bit of an insight into how large and diverse the higher education sector is in our capital city. And actually, London has one of the largest and most diverse sectors of any city in the world. Um, and London really is a powerhouse of higher education. I mean, collectively, if you put all of London's universities and HEIs together, they represent around 400,000 students and 100,000 staff. So London really is a powerhouse of HE in the UK. And it means it's not just a major provider of education and skills, but it's also a major employer in the city as well. 
And uh, obviously, I'm going to wax lyrical about higher education in London, but there really is something for everyone thinking about embarking on higher education in our capital. As I've hinted at, London's higher education institutions are diverse. They range from large research and intensive universities like yourselves at UCL um, but there are also many small specialist conservatoires as well specializing in dance music art drama and even scientific research institutes like the Institute for Cancer Research and of course in between all this there are many more high quality what I would call technical and professional universities as well and these predominantly serve local people local Londoners working with local employers and helping them achieve high quality, valuable local careers. Um, and it's not just about traditional three or four year degrees either. I think London's universities really have always offered a wide range of provision from what we call level four and five, right up to level eight PhD qualification. So as I said, there really is something for everyone. Um, it's flexible. We've got lifelong learning. Um, and of course, we've got one of the most diverse student communities in the world as well, because we do have to remember that um, about 44% of London home domicile students are from um, black and minority ethnic backgrounds and many of them also also commute um, so yes um, something for everyone um, and a great e exciting HE city well thank you both for sharing these insights but I'd like to really question about the benefits, particularly for young Londoners and the diverse communities. I mean, having a lot of young people around and diversity within London is one of the most exciting things about being in the city. However, it is an expensive place to live. And, and you know, there, there are uh, there's a flip side of being in a very densely populated city. So I'd like to ask each of you, a little bit about that and, and give us some deeper insight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I've just hinted at when I um, spoke about the wealth of London's sort of higher education provision, provision it is a city that is catered for a young demographic. Um, there, I've said that many London um, students commute. So these are Londoners who will live at home and many of them do have that home surrounding. So maybe cost is a little bit less of an issue in terms of home life, but that's they still have to factor in the costs of commuting as well. And we cannot deny the fact that uh, um, the cost of commuting can, can be higher in London than most other places. But also for sort of international students or those students moving to London from elsewhere in the UK, um, many universities have that student accommodation set up, which is um, priced within um, the grants and the loans that um, students can access. Um, so, and students in London can get a, a sort of maintenance on, on top for, for living in the city. So, you know, you can live within your means here. And I mean, in a way, the benefits sort of outweigh the costs in the sense you have access to the the world leading cultural scene on your doorstep, um, the museums, the galleries, the theatres, everything you like. And all of that as well really enhances the student experience and the young person's experience in the city. I think that's absolutely right, um, Diana. So much of London is free. You know, it's free to walk around London. It's free to see the Roman remains in the city. It's free to walk around Regent's Park. Um, there's a number of discount cards available for students um, so, and museums and galleries, of course, the, the vast majority of those are free, which is a tremendous cultural resource for Londoners of all ages. So exactly as you said, you can't get around the fact that to live in a capital city does cost, can cost more um, than living somewhere rural. But my word, what a, what a lot you get out of it. 
I was wondering if I could ask a question as well, actually, to you, Alison, um, reverse the tables a bit. So um, I'm interested in your position as a professor at UCL. I've obviously spoken about the wonders of um, London's university scene, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, if you think that London is still a good place for universities to do what they do, because I, I'm aware that, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, there may be some criticism that, uh, oh, okay, okay, we can move online. We don't need to be located in a certain place. I'm just wondering how you feel about this. That's a great question. Over the past year, we've seen a massive change in how universities teach triggered by the pandemic, not only in UCL and across London, but right around the world. And because of the lockdown restrictions, we all, as academics, had to work from home and our students had to study from home or in their dorms. Um, now, this could be quite challenging for our students who were in central London and had very small places to live. Um, but nevertheless, we ended up with a very thriving academic community. Now, in most campuses, like UCL, teaching previously had been in classrooms, lecture theatres, studios, hospital labs, all the places that Lalage talked about in terms of the, ma the, the, the magic of, of London. And essentially, we've seen the biggest experiment in university teaching ever where all of that face-to-face -face experience essentially went online. One of the problems over the past 18 months is that we didn't have time to plan. An announcement was made that teaching would move online in a few days. So the way that we changed was literally over a weekend. And that means that we all tended to use the teaching methods we'd used on campus, lectures and tutorials, and transfer these online. And because we didn't have time to design online learning in a way that would make the most of the online, then uh, it became very, very difficult. So um, we can rethink now that we're going to go back onto campus and um, London as a city draws students from around the world because of the unique experience that we talked about of living and studying here, the diversity in the culture and social dimensions, and also the ability to get to the heart of some of the world's leading organisations, for example, um, in the UCL Knowledge Lab, our digital media MA students work with the British Film Institute, which is literally around the corner. Medical students are in UCL Hospital, Guy's and Great Ormond Street. And the British Library and British Museum are right on our doorstep. So we have a unique opportunity. Our provost, Michael Spence, has been working with the students at UCL to make sure they get what they want as we move back on campus during the pandemic. And it's clear that they want to be back in the city. However, longer term, I don't think we're going to go back to the business as usual. We'll predominantly be on campus and we'll make the most of our London location. But I think that we're going to see online teaching in ways that enhance that experience to ensure that students have a blended or hybrid approach. So I think we're going to see much more of the mixing of the physical and digital and have a new version of Digital London. I would like to ask Lalaji a question. London has some of the world leaders in research today, but throughout history, how have some of the thinkers in London shaped policy and debate for the rest of the country? Or the world. It is one of the great pleasures of London, isn't it, the way you can see that sort of thread of history um, running through the city. So um, I talked earlier on about Roman remains and, you know, to, to walk past some of the Roman remains in the city of London and then send your glance upwards to those astonishing glass towers. It, it you know, raises the hairs on the back of my neck time after time. 
Um, and you can see this same thread running through all sorts of, um, of areas, for instance, you know, in, in the law, that um, common law is derived from English legal practice over the centuries. Um, and, you know, the, the High Court, the Supreme Court here in London, here, of course, here cases from all the way around the world because um, our law is recognised as, as very high quality and our principles of equity and fairness and the way they're built into the law are recognised around the world as a, um, a, a kind of beacon for that, that sort of practice. Um, and the same in science, you know, that the Royal Society, which is the UK's National Academy of Sciences, was founded right here in London in 1660. And it's been a crucible of ideas ever since with uh, famous scientists like Isaac Newton and Michael Faraday and Benjamin Franklin um, just bumping up against each other in, in that environment and developing scientific discoveries in, in, in really extraordinary ways, which have gone on to benefit people around the world. And again, you know, much of the work of the discovery of DNA was done in the 1930s just off the strand by Francis Crick and James Watson and Rosalind Franklin. And we now see that echoed in the name of the Francis Crick Institute, which is our centre for biomedical research and is just, just off the Euston Road in, in King's Cross. So these are places where there is world-class research going on, which has immense benefits for the whole of the country and around the world. So in London, we do... I think it is very important to remember that we are the, the capital of the UK and it's our, our business as Londoners to send out the, the, the good work that we do um, around the UK and um, to ensure that everyone has the, the chance to, to benefit from it and to drive manufacturing, to drive um, all kinds of business and entrepreneurship around the country. I think that's exactly right, Lalage. Um, and I'd just like to add to that as well, because I think, you know, London has been, as you say, sort of front and centre of the global scientific endeavour. Yet at the same time, I think the geopolitics of the world has changed dramatically over the past year. I mean, not least from COVID, but also from Brexit as well. Um, so I think at the same time, we can't afford to be complacent in our standing. And I do think we need to sort of um, show the world, as you say, um, all that we've got to offer. And um, because you can see a bit of a chasm emerging, particularly in the domestic political narrative here in the UK at the moment, which I have to say is almost becoming quite anti-London and anti-Southeast at the moment. And that really stands in direct opposition to the international global Britain narrative that the government's trying to put out as well, which absolutely needs London as its gateway to the wider world. So I do think it's up to us to sort of be making that case. And actually, it was great just to see the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, actually visiting the new mayor of West Yorkshire, Tracy Brabin, just to see how London is absolutely integral to business and industry in the rest of the UK. Um, and in turn, of course, London couldn't operate without the business strengths in Yorkshire and elsewhere. So really, it's about appreciating the different R&D strengths that exist in this country and harnessing them for London's benefit, for the region's benefit, and of course, for national benefit as well. Yes, isn't that the case that, you know, we often talk about the Golden Triangle, which is London, Oxford and Cambridge, but there's a much bigger Golden Triangle, which is London to Manchester to Edinburgh and all those universities coming together and um, transmitting knowledge among themselves. Um, and that does, again, create a great sense of um, common purpose, which is great for all of us. Yeah, and I like that idea of a much larger golden triangle. And I think that's a good point to ask Alison the question, actually, about, um, you know, we've touched on R&D just now. Um, will digitalisation, will it augment or will it diminish, like, progress of social justice here in the capital and elsewhere? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
as someone who lived in the very north of the UK, um, very close to John O'Groats in, in Caithness, uh, people who live there can feel very, very uh, far away from from the cities, from, from places like Edinburgh, never mind um, London. But with the digital, there's an opportunity here to really reverse what we do and, and take into consideration um, the the perspectives and, and the needs of everyone. It can, it can really revolutionise how we operate so that we don't simply have uh, the big metropolis, uh, whether whether it's London, Birmingham, Manchester, Edinburgh, but dominating the rest of the country, but to really look at um, how people think and how, how they want to be in different ways of living rather than as all uh, trying to be as one. But there's a flip side to uh, the use of digital technology, of course. During the pandemic, technology has helped us keep working while staying safe at home, connect with family, friends, shop, continue our studies, be entertained, basically live our lives. But everything we do generates data, and how that data is used is not always transparent. So there are major ethical issues. What is of concern is uh, the so-called big tech companies, Google, Microsoft and others, have become a seamless part of our lives and we don't really understand how they're influencing us. Now, there have been a lot of open debates around companies like uh, Cambridge Analytica and so on. We need to have open, transparent regulation about the collection and use of data, not simply consent forms that we've all read them, clicked them and not understood them, but proper government or even transnational regulation about how algorithms are created and used and how data is collected. We need proper data ethics to be the starting point of the creation of these systems. Now, I'm very lucky within the UCL Knowledge Lab, we do research on the future of learning and communication. And uh, some of my colleagues, Professor Kashka Poranska-Pomska and Dr. Selina Nemorin, are leading the way internationally in the ethics of artificial intelligence. We need more work like theirs. It's obviously fantastic to hear that UCL is sort of leading the way in this work because I know from my own work in the sort of higher education, this is becoming a big issue in the university space. And I think that the more that we can do on this as the world is changing, the more we can get on the on the front foot. Absolutely. In the future, when we integrate physical places like London and the physical experience of being there, plus the digital we're going to open up a box of living in different ways through digital technology. Yes, we're all at the forefront of one big science experiment at the moment, aren't we? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to ask um, both of you, what are your final thoughts? I suppose my final thought is London has endured as a capital city and I hope, I'm sure like the rest of you, it will continue to endure and to thrive. Um, but to do that, as I said before, we, ha we can't let our guard down. We have to work um, to make that happen. And I think the onus is on all of us to embrace the change and to find the opportunities in the change that we're living through now and to harness them for the benefit of our great capital city so we can continue to be that global city so, and so that we can continue to deliver for real local Londoners as well because ultimately our, the success of our country depends on being able to deliver for both of these communities and for the nation as a whole so I suppose that's my final thought. I think that's a that's a great one Diana and, and just to, to pick up on something Alison was saying earlier about um, the pandemic and about how 
fast universities had to adapt to the new digital world and literally over the space of a couple of days take um, you know, your collective expertise and, and put it online. I did think that was absolutely extraordinary that you were able to do that so quickly and so successfully. And, um, you know, I, I've heard it from students many times that this year's experience has been has been different in all sorts of ways. It hasn't necessarily been worse. You know, I think there's a real appreciation of um, the extraordinary efforts that have gone into giving them the best possible experience in, in the circumstances and the same high quality of intellectual debate and the same high quality of knowledge sharing and so on. So I think that's extraordinary. And I do think it's a kind of, um, it, it's a representation really of what has happened for all of us in London, that we have yet again um, demonstrated our amazing resilience in the face of circumstances which none of us ever thought that we would have to, to come to grips with. And we often talk about London as somewhere where people have survived extraordinary things. You know, we, we survived the Great Power of London, we survived the Blitz, we're all still here, we're all kind of facing forward. And I, I think um, we are seeing our willingness to adapt. And although, you know, as Diana said, we are living through a, an extraordinary scientific ex experiment, I think we can all feel very positive about that and very positive about what the future holds for us because we have the skills and we have the enthusiasm and we have the, the passion for social justice that makes us want to do the best for ourselves but makes us want to do the best for other people as well and that's true nationally and that's true globally and I think we can all feel that we have a, a lot of heart for that. I think that's a really positive thought and um, I'm wondering if I can throw the question back to Alison as well to see if you've got any final thoughts. Well for me we've talked a lot about the the, the space in London and the institutions and so on but what the pandemic has taught me is London is really all about the people. Personally I've missed having the students around particularly at UCL where we, we really have people from 150 different countries. It's really diverse and that makes it super exciting. London will retain its relevance for students and its desirability as a place to live, work and study in the future. And uh, I'm looking forward to rediscovering the city post-pandemic in new and uh, unexpected ways. I can't wait to be back on campus. You have been listening to Future Cities brought to you by UCL. To hear more podcasts from UCL, search for UCL Minds wherever you download your podcasts. This podcast is an Antsnell production. The producer and editor of this episode was Shivani Dave.